0: The dream of having a baby can be dashed when there is a miscarriage and almost crushed when there are several losses. Dina Beesom knows this firsthand. Coming up, she shares her journey with us, joined by Dr. Laura Eisman, a reproductive endocrinologist at Reproductive Science Center of the San Francisco Bay Area. This is Fertile Edge, a podcast from Reproductive Science Center of the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm Cheryl Martin. Dina, so glad you're willing to share your story. You are pro at telling other people's stories as a producer and photographer, and now you're the subject. Tell us about your experience with pregnancy loss.
1: Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm always very happy to share Now that we've been on the other side of it, I think it's important to be able to kind of circle back and start from the beginning. So about five years ago, my husband and I decided to start our pregnancy journey. And unfortunately, we had three missed miscarriages within about a year and a half. So a missed miscarriage is basically a miscarriage that just never showed any signs and I never had any symptoms We ended up making it to the heartbeat appointment for every one of our pregnancies. So we were between, at least we thought, eight and 10 weeks. And at every one of those appointments, once the ultrasound was put in place, we were told that there was no heartbeat. It was the same story every time. It was crushing. It was frustrating. It was just, it took the wind out of our sails. And every time we heard that news, we thought, well, maybe we're not going to be able to do this. So the third, missed miscarriage we had, we were able to test the tissue to try to find out what was going on. And we learned that that miscarriage was the result of an abnormal chromosome. So the advice that we received at the time from a doctor was to move forward with IVF as an option, because it seems that I didn't have any issues getting pregnant. It was just that for some reason, I couldn't stay pregnant, despite being on many different types of medications to try to help us along in those three pregnancies. So ultimately we found Reproductive Science Center and with an amazing team, we were able to come up with a plan for an egg retrieval and we had a successful egg retrieval. And then a few months later, we were able to do our first transfer. And fortunately, that transfer is now the incredible daughter Hazel, who we have, who is now celebrating 17 months old today. So we we certainly are just beyond thrilled to be able to say that this process absolutely worked for us. And and when we had little to no hope left,
0: things really, really, really turned around. That is absolutely wonderful that just after one egg retrieval, it worked for you.
1: Yes. Yes. We were able to retrieve 12 eggs and ultimately four of them were genetically normal. And so we had four frozen embryos that were all tested and graded fairly well. I'm sure Dr. Eisman can speak to that, but we decided to just wait a couple of months to get my cycle back on track and our very first transfer it took. And Hazel was our top embryo. We just said, we want want the best embryo. We want the best chance at this working for us. And that ended up being
0: our little girl. That's wonderful. Now, Dr. Eisman, when a patient comes to you with a history like Dina's with multiple losses, what do you tell them?
2: Well, the most important thing I want them to know is that pregnancy loss in general is common. It happens in about 15 to 25% of pregnancies, so one in four or one in five pregnancies. Recurrent pregnancy loss, where there is a loss of two or more pregnancies, isn't as common, probably less than 5% of women. But the key point is that many, many people experience pregnancy loss and just want them to know that they're they're not alone.
0: What about three, like Dina? How common is that?
2: Probably less than 2% of women.
0: Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about the known causes of miscarriages?
2: Yeah, so the majority of pregnancy losses in general are due to chromosomal abnormalities like the one of Dina's that they tested and found out was due to an extra missing chromosome. About 60% of pregnancy losses are due to a chromosome abnormality. The risk of that increases as women age, and that's due to the normal decline in egg quality as we age. As far as recurrent pregnancy loss goes, there are several known causes. The one category is hormonal causes, so uncontrolled thyroid disease, uncontrolled diabetes, elevations in the hormone prolactin. There are also anatomic causes, so abnormalities with the uterus. Some women are born with a uterine septum. There are other possible causes such as fibroids or polyps or scar tissue in the uterus, There's a known inherited or genetic cause of recurrent pregnancy loss where one partner has a rearrangement of their chromosomes. Most often that's called a balanced translocation, and that results in a larger percentage of their eggs or sperm having incorrect amount of genetic information. There's also a known autoimmune cause where a person might have antibodies that predispose to clotting that can contribute to loss. That's called antiphospholipid antibody syndrome. There are some environmental factors that we know are associated, such as cocaine use and heavy alcohol use. But despite all these known causes, still about half the time we don't find a cause, which is this is one of the most frustrating and difficult areas of our field.
1: And to add to that, that was what we were told when my husband and I did every test available to us and and checked Basically, every possibility of what could be causing ours. We were diagnosed with unexplained infertility. So, there was never a known factor as to what led to our losses. And there was never anything that we were told would continue to cause loss. And so, that was a very frustrating place to be at.
0: But, Dina, your savior was the IVF process. Did you have any fears during that time or other emotions?
1: Absolutely. Going through IVF wasn't something that I was very educated in. I had known a few people who had gone through it, but didn't know just how deep and the details and the frustration and the hormonal imbalances and everything else that would come along with medication. For me, it was also a choice between myself and my husband to go that route. I was the one who went through all the losses and my husband had to watch me go through that. And he was by my side, of course. So for me to undergo a lot of other medical intervention, I think we were both concerned for my health and for what could happen if it didn't work to my emotional and mental well-being and then also physically what that would mean for me. And while it ended up being the savior, the solution to what was going on with my body, there wasn't a guarantee. And so as much as I wanted to trust in the process, there was always a slight amount of fear and doubt. And because of my recurrent pregnancy loss, I will say that even after our successful transfer. And once I graduated from the clinic, there was still a lot of fear and a lot of doubt. And I don't think I really let myself accept what was happening until I was far into the second trimester because I was just so fearful of what could be and what had been in my past. But I will say I had never felt more supported in my pregnancy journey as I did when I finally got my team at RSC together. Reproductive Science Center made me feel like they were doing everything they could to understand my body and to help me get to the end goal, which was to grow our family. And I didn't feel that support until I walked into their clinic. And so I definitely was able to keep that with me as I graduated from the clinic and moved on to my primary care and and my regular doctors at my other healthcare facility. But there was always a little bit of fear and doubt, I would say for sure.
0: And you mentioned you didn't know anyone else who had gone through this, and this was your first time. So what advice would you give to others who are where you are? What can you say to help prepare them?
1: First and foremost, you have to have a really honest conversation with your partner. This is not something that anyone should go through alone. And if you if you do have to go through it alone, if you don't have necessarily a romantic partner or a partner in a relationship, having even just a support system, I think is so necessary. You know, for me, ultimately, this was a decision between me and my spouse. And so my very first conversation I had with him was, if you're not all in, I'm not all in because I knew that that's what I was going to need. So knowing yourself, knowing your own mental health and where you'll be able to have somebody there for you if this doesn't work out, or if times do get a little bit more challenging, or if the emotions do, start to get the best of you when you're not expecting it, because a lot of those feelings can be out of your control when you're taking these medications. So I would say just make sure you have a great support system. And I truly learned to trust in my team. I was not able to control so much of my pregnancy journey. And The losses, of course, were out of our control and my body not necessarily responding to certain medications before IVF was something that I thought that I was able to control and I wasn't. And ultimately, you can't control everything that goes on in your body, but this medical team is going to get the best information that they can to give you the best opportunity to reach that goal of growing your family. And I really learned to trust in that process, to relinquish some of that control and to just be open and ready and willing to accept what was possible. That's a big mental hurdle to cross for a lot of people, especially after something like pregnancy loss or recurrent pregnancy loss. It's hard to imagine the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think really trusting in your team can be just a large portion of where you get that hope and support.
2: Dina, I'm so glad that you felt that because working in this field, we know that every single patient has an emotional journey and we try so hard to support that. And, you know, I'm so glad that you felt that because really, you know, we want to be here for you. We want to help you through and, and I'm glad you felt supported.
1: Yeah. And just to continue briefly with that, I, and you said, Dr. Eisman, that one in four, or one in five women or pregnancies result in loss. But when you're going through it, you don't really want to feel like a statistic, obviously. You don't want to feel like, well, I'm just another number and just another grouping of the percentage of women who go through this. You feel like, well, what's wrong with me or what's wrong with my body? And I might be one of many, but it's your own personal experience, right? And I don't feel like going through that journey, I ever thought I could get pregnant. I think after my third loss, I thought that it would never happen for me. And I was in a very low place emotionally going into the IVF journey because I had such low expectations for this ever working or ever turning out. And your team is the reason why I was able to continue moving forward because I felt that support. And if I hadn't had that support, I know that I wouldn't have been able to make it through some of those tough shots that I gave myself and, you know, just the long journey that we knew we had ahead. It's a, certainly a step by step process, and you have to learn to be patient with yourself and your body. but that support was absolutely everything for me and for my husband too.
0: Dr. Eisman, what support can you offer for people experiencing IVF? And Dana has done a, a job already talking about your team, but from your perspective.
2: Yeah. In addition to us, there are a lot of support groups out there. We actually have a therapist here at our at reproductive science center, Macy Schoenthaler, who leads a pregnancy loss support group and i know you can also find them through your local hospital oftentimes there's also an organization called organic conceptions that offers online counseling and emotional support and we offer our patients free membership to that and that's also a great resource but yeah you can always reach out to us if you need help accessing you know those resources we're definitely here to help
0: so it worked well for dina that the first egg retrieval worked but Is there a different support system or how do you deal with a woman that it takes several chances, several times?
2: Well, we know that the chance of a live birth with the first chromosomally normal embryo for any woman is only two-thirds, 65% chance. So one-third won't be successful with that first embryo transfer and will need multiple tries so we try to let them know that ahead of time that it it may not work the first time and we have to keep trying right so the first two maybe even more attempts are independent events so we just have to persist
0: okay dina any closing advice or thoughts and of course i'm curious to know if you will try it again to give a sibling
1: yes so It's interesting when you're going through the egg retrieval process and all of the shots and then the transfer process, there's more shots and there's a lot of ultrasounds and medication and then you graduate. And I remember feeling like, I can't not be under the care of these people anymore. Like this, what happens if I still needed the progesterone or I still needed the shots and and now I don't have the estrogen and what's going to happen? And there was a lot of fear upon graduating from RSC because it was such a huge part of our pregnancy journey. And I will say now with a 17-month-old daughter as a result of all of this, how quickly you forget what all of that was like. No offense, Dr. Eisman, but you, know, you start to realize that that was such a small part of such a big journey and a big road ahead. And my husband and I are very excited for hopefully another transfer with Dr. Eisman and RSC in the near future. We certainly were nervous to think about a second child in the beginning because we were so nervous about even being able to have one. And we didn't want to feel greedy, to be honest. We didn't want to feel like testing our luck again. And what if it doesn't work? And we were so lucky just to have the one. But now that we have our healthy baby girl, I want so badly to give her a sibling. And we know that we have three more genetically normal embryos. And So we're going to give it a shot and we're going to trust in the process and I'm going to buckle down and do the shots again because I remember that that was such a small, small moment in time and in what we have is the rest of our lives with our sweet baby girl and I really can't wait for the future and I'm very hopeful for what's to come for our family. So with that being said, the long answer is yes, we will try again and yes, we will go through IVF again because it was worth it.
0: Okay. I can't wait. Dina Biesum, thanks so much for sharing your happy ending story with us. Thrilled that you are now a mother. And Dr. Laura Eisman, thanks as well for educating us on miscarriages and the IVF treatment process. To learn more, go to rscbayarea.com slash learn slash female dash infertility slash miscarriage. That's rscbayarea.com slash learn slash female dash infertility slash miscarriage. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out the full podcast library for other topics of interest to you. This is Fertile Edge, a podcast from Reproductive Science Center of the San Francisco Bay Area. Thanks for listening.